0: Welcome to episode 461 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with American rock drummer, among other things, Bob Burt. We talk with Bob from his home in Hoboken, New Jersey. We discuss his early days and how we got into music. Silk screening, working with the entourage of Andy Warhol. His book, I'm Just the Drummer, Being on the Road, the creative process about uh, his days in the village, touring uh, the South, the Midwest, Europe, and an upcoming tour he's getting ready for as well and making the best music you can possibly make true to yourself. A grand conversation with Bob Burt this go round. We have an essay titled Glam. We share an article that is published in the February 2022 edition of Harper's Magazine titled Why Yachting Families Make Great Climate Caretakers. And we have a poem called Short Peer. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. And I should add that most of those tunes for this episode were suggested to me by Bob Burt. All right. It's so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 461 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. See galore, who needs anything more? Drums for sonic youth, pretty big for a kid happily not from Duluth, but instead from Jersey, born in Passaic. Isn't that where the great American poet William Carlos Williams slayed it? And the beat goes on, working with Andy Warhol's circle of artistic endeavor. An early time on the New York City scene, before the book, an underground BB gun fanzine. Before Lydia Lunch spoke her words in front of his backbeat bass drum and tight snare. Hi-hat, cymbal beware. psst, psst. psst. Hoboken and soft-spoken, has been home for a while, sitting on the couch, feeling the daylight and star-bright nights through the window with natural style. A sixth decade on this planet, the village, Moscow, some whiskey-soaked stage in Alabama, to a mid suburban city near Chicago. He's just a drummer with a camera. We talk of the passing of time and musical icons inside the scene, the Ukraine and screaming trees, how life is but a dream. Old loves and Bert's bees in my breast pocket for chapped lips and strong hearts beating faster while scraping the sides of cars with a church key in this left hand, as alabaster hips move steadfast and stall worth in the rhythm of a master, through a headset, listening to his band, imploring in song for us to kill our idols faster and faster, And modest royalty checks keep pacing themselves into a less austere balance sheet than once was the predicament. American rock drummer, artist man to the core. Soon again in April, on the road for a nationwide tour. Weeks of soup du jour for supper, Wearing worn leather pants with red down the sides, otherwise the color of natural maple, symbolize beautiful, the soul-searching romance of this wide, open country fable. (laughs) ¶¶ Hello, hello, Bob Burt, is that you?
1: This is me.
0: Uh, Well, it's great to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tour, ZW Conundrum here, broadcast at uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, um, WFTE Radio, and radio stations all across the continent via the Pacifica Network. It's good to have you on. Thank you. And uh, before we get started, uh, let me give the folks some background information. We're talking with, again, uh, Bob Burt. He's an American yes. rock drummer who has played with several extraordinary groups, including Sonic Youth, Pussy Galore, and Lydia Lunch, to name just a few. He's a publisher of a coveted fanzine. Uh, I don't think it's still in print, but it's still sought after, called BB Gun, and uh, author of, a, of an acclaimed book titled I'm Just the Drummer. He's presently gearing up for a tour starting in a couple of months and uh, I believe we're talking with you from your home in Hoboken, New Jersey.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: All right, excellent. So thank you so much, Bob, for being on the show. Um, how's, how's it going today?
2: Well, I'm watching TV and watching the war start and uh, I just got a phone call two minutes before you call telling me that uh, Mark Lanigan died which is very upsetting but uh other I, than that i'm doing okay <laughs> I,
0: i'm sorry to hear about your loss i didn't catch the name you, you cut out there for a sec
2: mark lanagan he's a very famous musician he was the singer of the screaming trees oh yeah and he and he, he also wrote an amazing book you know uh and uh that the news the news just broke i guess on facebook like five minutes ago Wow! So it's just like, you know, and that, you know, and just like two days ago, we lost Dallas Good from the Sadies, a really close friend and a really talented musician and, you know, great band from Toronto. So, you know, <laughs> 2022.
0: It's coming in terribly.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about your losses. And, and I guess the war you're talking about, have they invaded the Ukraine? Yes. Yeah. Wow, Bob Burt, you're like our CNN correspondent <laughs> or something. <laughs> Thank you for the info. I mean, it's important to know these things. And again, my respect, yeah. my respect uh, to you and to uh, your yeah. friends Start, that have passed. Starting
1: off
2: the interview with a bunch of bad news, but otherwise,
0: <laughs> well, you know that's life, isn't it? You know, and I guess it feeds the it feeds the art too, right?
2: Totally. Um,
0: so you know, let, let's. Let's get started. I guess from from the beginning, right? You, you know, where, where were you born? Are you from Hoboken originally?
1: No, I was. I grew up in uh, Clifton, New Jersey, which is
2: like ten minutes outside of New York City. So, um, you know, which which was, you know, even though it was so close to New York City, it was you know, suburban, whole different kind of world. But you know, even as a young kid, you know, my parents would take me to New York. And so I was I was aware of uh, New York City, you know, from an early age, and I, you know, I grew up in the basically in the '60s, and uh, so you know I got into uh, you know music. Just you know, those were the days of uh, your little transistor radio, listening to Top Forty AM, and you know I saw the, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when I was eight years old, and uh, as the '60s went on, you know I was. Getting more into the uh, psychedelic hippie kind of scene, and uh,
0: yeah, must have been fun.
2: Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think you and I are about a I think a decade apart. I think you're about ten years older than me, and um, yeah. I've I've always admired the work you've done, and I'm so happy again to have you on this show. Uh, so. It's interesting to hear how you got into it. You couldn't help but get into it, it seems to me. You were surrounded by a great culture in our in our country at that point in time, and you were close to one of the best cities in the world, which must, must have radiated energy towards you. When was the first time you got into a band? Were you in high school?
1: Well, no. You know,
2: after the whole, you know, seeing the Beatles on TV and the whole British invasion, you know, I, I got into music and I, took drum lessons for a year when I was 12 years old. And, you know, and I had like, you know, a cruddy old drums kit in the basement. And, uh, you know, when I was 13 or 14, I had some, you know, kids over and we would play, try to play songs like, uh, like dirty water by the Sandals or whatever, you know, or or cream or whatever, you know, but it never got out of the basement. And then when I moved out of my house, at eighteen, I, you know, I just I just stopped playing. The, you know, the professional musician was the farthest thing from my mind. I was more into art, and uh, you know, when I was in high school, um, that was like the early '70s. So uh, things like Ziggy Stardust by David Bowie and Lou Reed's Transformer and Roxy Music, and I started going more towards the glam kind of fan and uh so yeah then uh you know I started going to concerts very early because you know right in the next town uh of Passaic which was actually where I was born in the hospital of Passaic uh the Capitol Theater opened up and you know so we you know would go see shows there all the time in fact their opening night uh was my very first date at the age of 16 and the the bill was uh the Jay Giles band, humble pie. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, you know, so, uh, and then as time, you know, and right around that time, the drinking age in New Jersey was 18. But if you went into New York city, you know, they, no one cared. I mean, they, they didn't ask for any ID. You could walk into a liquor store and be 10 years old and they would sell you a bottle. But, um, you know, so started going to clubs. So I went to Max's Kansas City first with a bunch of high school friends, and you know, we had uh, fake IDs and we went to a show there, and they didn't even ask for the IDs. and First thing I thought was, "Oh man, I could have come here last week and saw the Velvet Underground." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I went to I saw the New York Dolls there they were around the same time when I was in high school, right when their first album came out. And I started to go see them, a bunch of t- stuff. But I still was just uh, more interested in art. So I wasn't, you know, I was a big music fan, uh, went to lots of shows, bought records. And, but I was, uh, after I got out of high school, when, when, when I was in high school, we went on a, our art class went on a field trip to the Whitney Museum. To see uh, the Andy Warhol retrospect, Andy Warhol, who, uh, who just uh, died uh, yesterday, or today. No, she actually died today, February 22nd, 1987. Wow, an anniversary, so to, wow. Yeah, <laughs> 35 years ago. So, uh, and I was actually, I became a, I went to, after high school, I went to a uh, school of visual arts and took a lot of classes and I learned how to be a silkscreen printer. And so I actually uh, started getting jobs as a fine art silkscreen printer. And I actually ended up working for, like, doing Andy Warhol's artwork. Wow. Right up until when he died in 1987.
0: You worked with him.
2: I didn't work with him, but we, you know... Worked. We made. It, we, we made. We <laughs> handed it to him to sign it. <laughs>
0: you made. You made a silkscreen of one of his prints, and then you handed it to him to sign it.
2: Well, yeah. No, we we did a, uh, like tons of editions, print editions. You know, paintings, portraits. Those, all those paintings they, uh, with the camouflage background. We did all those. Uh, the Last Supper paintings, which were gigantic. You know, we, we did. We did those. And, You know, I worked for, like, his right-hand man, the guy named Rupert Smith. Wow,
0: that's excellent. Uh, You must have been hanging out in a lot of cool scenes.
2: Well, yeah, because by that point I was already, you know, I joined Sonic Youth in 1982. So I played with them from, like, 82 through 85, and then I I quit, and then I... uh, joined Pussy Galore in 1986 so it's like the first half of the 80s I was in Sonic Youth and the second half of the 80s I was in Pussy Galore and uh, you know, I went to you know we were touring Europe all the time so it was just like you know I wasn't even that good of a musician because I was just kind of picking things up again but you know I ended up uh, in the right places at the right time I guess and you know
0: Was it always the drums always percussion that you were interested in or Yes you, Yeah
2: yeah, I, I, I cannot. For the life of me, every time I even attempted to try to learn something on guitar, I just can't do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's hard. I know. I hear you.
2: <laughs>
0: what, so when when you got with Sonic Youth, uh, I guess that was the first big band you were in.
2: Yeah, but they weren't big. They they weren't big until like six years after I left. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, they, you know they were just like they had been together. Like three or four months, I guess, and they they made their first EP. Uh, and the drummer was named Richard Etzen, who later became a film star. He was in uh, Jim Jarbush's Stranger Than Paradise, and he was in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> <laughs> and, he he, and so uh, he actually quit Sonic Youth to play trumpet in this other band called Conk. You know, who were kind of like a Latin fused rhythm band you know, from mm-hmm. East Village back then. So, yeah, so that's, you know, I joined Sonic Youth really early on. And I went on, you know, we were writing the songs that ended up on their first album, Confusion is Sex. Oh, yeah, they fired me for a bit and uh, they hired Jim Skolunos, who was a drummer in uh, Teenage Jesus and the Jerk. No, he's a bass player in Teenage Jesus the church of 8 I Spy, and then he was in the crabs for a while. And he's he's he has, probably 20 years has been playing with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and so he didn't last long in Sonic Youth. And then I had been rehearsing with other people and got a lot technically better on the drums, and I went back and rejoined them. And then, uh, you know, we started going to Europe, you know, for like really, you know, the, one of the first indie rock bands from america that really kind of heaved the way for touring europe you know which was kind of crazy back then it was like the first tour we did of europe we didn't even have a van we like were traveling around with euro passes and like 13 guitars <laughs> it was just it was crazy <laughs>
0: so your first tour was was europe not the united states
2: the first tours were were with uh, Sonic Youth and Swans, and we went down south, you know, in, in the end of in November of '82, I believe, and we played a handful of shows in the south, and then we came back and we went out to the Midwest, and um, that was known as the Savage Blunder tours, and uh, that was those were the very first tours. I mean, I was on tour like in like a Month or two of joining them <laughs> and uh you know I, you know I haven't stopped since pretty much
0: the savage blunder tours was that a joke you guys came up with because it was not that fun <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it was well it, you know that was that was like you know before we even left because it was just kind of like you know what are we doing? each band had an EP and um no one knew who we were, and uh, we were going, like, down south, where, like, we knew they weren't going to be receptive to this extremely loud, noisy, you know, uh, New York City art rock. And uh, But it was, you know, it was uh, quite an experience. It was, like, ten people in a van with a U-Haul. I was the only one that didn't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> it was, like, traveling around in a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was rough, but you know, it's <laughs> it was an experience I'll never forget.
0: <laughs> a lot of material for uh, for your your book and for the fanzine, I suppose too.
2: Uh, yeah, it was because uh, you know I took a camera with me, which I don't think how many other people did. So I had all these photos from the first tour, and you know they're all you know all this stuff is in my book uh, called I'm Just a Drummer on Hozak. Books, um, and there's also a lot of things in the book of uh, interviews that I did that were in my fanzine BB Gun. That was in the
0: yeah, I, you know, that's people still are looking for that. I guess it's hard to come by the fanzine.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were trying to do
1: one issue a year,
2: um, and we did seven issues all together, and I think the last issue was in 2004. And you, so, worked, you know, they were. Go on, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. They, they, you know, started off smaller runs, but then as it went on, like the last couple issues were like, you know, 5,000 copies, and we got picked up by, you know, Tower Records and a couple other distributors. And there was a fanzine store in Manhattan called See Here, and they would sell a ton of them, you know.
0: And you say we, who did you publish it with?
2: Um, My wife, Linda, who uh, passed away 10 years ago, but she is the reason I got into music because I was silkscreen printing in New York and uh, I saw this little ad on the back of the cover of the Village Voice that said, uh, punk rock art wanted. So I went over to this gallery that was down the street on Wooster street. This is back when, you know, art galleries and record stores. And, and, um, and so I got involved in this group show that also included Joey Ramone and a bunch of people. And that's, uh, I, so I got involved in this gallery. And that's where I met Linda Wolf, who, you know, she, um, our first date was January 1st, 1980. And then after living, I was living on the Upper West Side, and she was living in Jersey City. And so we decided we were going to live together. So she, we compromised, and we ended up moving to Hoboken. And that's where I've been ever since. But uh, while we were here, like the first year we were here, one night we were at this club. It wasn't Maxwell's. It was a different place. And we are seeing a couple bands play friends of ours and one of the bands didn't show up and so someone said hey does anyone know a drummer?" and Linda was like yeah Bob played it. <laughs> meanwhile I hadn't played it forever but I got up on stage and started jamming with these people and that turned into my first band and then uh, you know it just I just kept going from there I, I said this is a, a lot more fun than painting in my room <laughs> yeah, meeting a lot more people you know and mm-hmm. uh, so excellent yeah yeah so if i if i never moved to hoboken if i never met her like who knows where i'd be now
0: i know it's amazing i sit back sometimes and think about those kinds of things like you know one different you know direction step you know decision and your whole life could be completely different it's mind-blowing really
2: yeah totally
0: And, and, and let's talk about the creative process a bit. You know, when you're in uh, Sonic Youth or Pussy Galore, or Lydia Lunch, uh, how, how how much involved are you in, in the, the writing of the songs, the lyrics, the music?
2: Well, with Sonic Youth, it was great because it, it, it was a democracy. So we would all, you know, work out the songs together, and then someone would decide who was, you know,
1: wanted to sing it they would write the
2: lyrics but it was that's a, it was great because now you know you know how many ever you know 40 years later or whatever it is you know i'm still getting you know royalties from sonic youth in fact the very first album very first full album i ever played on was bad and Rising by sonic youth and uh, and that's you know that album still has legs. <laughs> yeah. I still get money from it. It's still, people are still buying it. A lot of people you know, tell me it's their favorite Sonic Youth record. Um, so, yeah. And then it's different. I mean, Pussy Galore was a lot different. For one thing, I was playing the drum kit that was made out of metal. You know, it was like a bass drum with a car gas tank on top. And, uh, and you know, that, that Pussy Galore has... The Hitmakers are now. I mean, it's, it's totally John Spencer's vision. So, you know, but, you know, of course, if you know, I have my style of playing, and, you know, so, you know, it definitely is part of the creative process. Um, and, you know, with, and with Lydia Lunch, we're doing a retrospective of her music career. And even though we're playing songs that she has, has had over the last 40 years with many different projects. Uh you know, we kinda turned it into our own sound and uh we just played a show uh, the other night in, in New York and it was it was it was great, you know. We it's a killer live band.
0: Yeah, I saw some video uh of, of that show, I don't know if it may be on Instagram, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And is that the tour that you, uh, when we were uh, emailing back and forth to each other, is that the tour you you were alluding to? You, is that with, with Lydia yeah, Lush? Allu-
1: the tour I'm alluding to is um,
2: uh, before the pandemic, I joined, um, John Spencer made a solo record called Spencer Sings the Hits, and he had overdubbed all this metal percussion on it, so he asked me if I would be in the live band, and I Really loved the album, so I said yes, and then we did like you know 2018, 2019, we went around the world we did like probably close to two hundred shows, and then you know the it is you know it was different a little difficult you know doing stuff because you know two you know all four members are in four different states and um so you know once the, the pandemic hit all our plans we had like at least three tours canceled, a recording session canceled. But then uh, this past last year in July, we went out to Michigan and we recorded a, a new album. And that's um, called Spencer Gets It Lit. And that's going to be released on April 1st. And then we're uh, hitting the road on like April 11th is the first show in Buffalo. And it's like 26 shows in a row, like all over the U.S.
0: That sounds awesome. And, and what, what uh, style of music would you say this album uh,
2: has? It's pretty unique. I mean, it's definitely rock and roll. i not denying that, but it's got, you know, metal percussion. We have uh, Sam Toms, and now his, uh, his ex-wife, who he has the band Quasi with, Janet Weiss, who's the drummer
1: in the band Sleater Kitty
2: amongst others and uh she's now joined the band so um it's uh really unique because there's only one guitar and then sam plays all kinds of keyboards and synthesizers and then we have you know janet playing a regular drum kit and me off to the side playing a metal drum kit with hammers and rods
0: sounds awesome and and um uh, lyrically when, when you're, when you're working with different bands, Sonic Youth, Pussy Galore, Lydia and, uh, John Spencer, I, are, are the lyrics often important as the, as the melody and the energy of the music to you or, or are, are the lyrics more secondary? Well, for me,
2: if I'm playing the music, they're a little bit more secondary, but you know, good lyrics and good music, make a good song. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, with, with Lydia Lunch especially. I mean, she her her lyrics are are brilliant and stand up on their own. She's you know, she's also a spoken word performer. Um, at one point, in between Sonic Youth and Pussy Galore, I started uh, my own experimental band called Bewitched, mm-hmm. and I and uh, and then in the early '90s, that actually became a a band and uh, we made two albums and I actually wrote the lyrics and sang, you know, and played drums. And uh, and so, so that was, you know, the most I ever had to do was like composing a song.
0: What was the name of that band? Was that Bewitched? Bewitched. What was it? Yeah. Bewitched.
2: Bewitched, yep. Yeah. And also currently, apart from playing with Lydia Lunch and John Spencer... I have another band called The Wolf Manhattan Project,
1: which is me,
2: Kit Congo Powers from the Cramps and Nick Cave and the Bad Cheese and the Gut Club, and Nick Collins uh, from Detroit, who's living in Brooklyn now, from the Dirt Bombs and the Gorries. And uh, our second album is about to come out, and that's a three-way collaboration. So we all you know, write, write lyrics, sing them, and compose the music together.
0: Awesome. I mean, you are really productive. <laughs> you you don't stop. That's that's awesome.
2: Well, it seems that way, but you know, like right now I'm just laying here. <laughs> <talking to you.
1: laughs>
0: and um uh the again, I want to go back to I guess for people that are just some people are musicians and they they get all of what I'm about to ask, but other people that listen to the show are not. And you're such a seasoned artist and musician. You've been around for a good number of years, played with, you're one of the greats, and you've played with the greats, and you continue to. I want to ask, like, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish with the music? You know, what, why do you do it? You know, I'm not
2: trying to accomplish anything. I mean, yeah. it's it just like, like I got into it, and um, I luckily, you know, made the right Choices of people to play with, I guess, because I was pretty informed. You know, I you know, I, I knew who Sonic Youth were from the get-go because I used to read this uh, magazine called New York Rocker, and I saw an article in there saying that uh, Glenn Branca, the composer, was starting his own label to put out a band called Sonic Youth. And so, when I bought, when I saw their record in the store, you know, I bought it, and I was onto it. You know. And then I went to see them a few times and they were just playing to like you know, friends basically at that point. And, uh, you know, so I don't, I'm not trying to accomplish anything except, uh, you know, living life to its fullest and enjoying, you know, what I do. I feel very grateful and very blessed that, uh, you know, like I fell into this whole thing and, and uh, you know, it's it's taken me around the world several times, places I'd never dreamed I'd ever go. You know, with Lydia, we played in Moscow, we played in Brazil a bunch of times, and you know, Australia. So it's just, it's I just feel very very lucky. Yeah, you know, it's not like I made a lot of money. <laughs> I was always I always had jobs. <laughs>
0: you mean side jobs?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean lately I'm 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 okay, but. So you know, I, I I've done it all from working in my father's liquor stores to working in record stores to working uh, in factories. <laughs> you know, I always had to, uh, you know, I'm definitely not like a trust fund kid or anything like that. So, you know, it's just like I managed to get my life. Right, here I am, an old man, playing all these rock bands.
0: An old man? Well, Don't not yet. It. You're not old yet.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> i guess that's relative right you're living yeah with more energy than some than many 30 year olds so i don't know um yeah
2: no I know. I know i'm very 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 grateful and very you know happy
0: and and for though we're just about uh out of time for this uh go round, i'd love to talk with you again if so many things i'd like to ask you still and you're a great conversationalist. Thank you for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours again. We're talking to Bob Burt. Before we part, any you know for people who are listening, maybe some people that are a little younger than us who are thinking about you know pursuing their their passion, their dreams, and the arts. What would you say to them?
2: I would say just just do it because you love to do it. Don't have any goals like you know don't don't become a musician because you think you're going to be successful just try to create something original and and unique like you know take three bands that you love and take a little bit of of everything you know that you want from them and and create something of your own i think of a lot of bands that are successful are always a combination of a couple things like with sonic youth uh lee ronaldo and thurston moore they were both, like, playing with uh, experimental composers like Glenn Branca and Reese Chatham, and they took what they learned from them and and turned it into rock a rock band, which made it sound like unlike any other rock band. And, you know, the same with Pussy Galore. John was into, um, you know, combining, like, uh, really 60s garage rock, you know, from all these, like, Pebbles compilations and stuff, and then combining it with the industrial music of like Einstein, St. Neubau and the swans, and by doing that, he created a you know his own unique thing, and no one else sounded like pussy galore and uh and, and we were also you know kind of a love or hate ba- band, but you know we were pretty pretty noisy. we didn't have a bass player. You know, we had three guitars and a metal drum kit, <laughs> but uh, I, I just my advice to anyone wanting to pursue music is, you know, just do your thing and enjoy it. And if if success comes along, great. And if not, you know, it's, it's better than to try to make, you know, crappy music that you think is going to sell. And uh, and you know, and, and it's it's really weird giving advice nowadays because you know, of course, coming up. It was a whole other world. You know, there was no internet. We didn't have, like, uh, you couldn't make an, an album in your bedroom and, like, you know, win a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Billie Eilish. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, Bob Burt, great American rock drummer, and artist. It's so, so wonderful to have you on Troubadours and rock on tours. Thanks for taking time out. Good luck on the tour. Uh, Thank you. And if people want to connect with you, I guess they could uh, go on to Instagram. I think it's the real Bob Burt, right? Or anywhere else, they yep. can check out uh, what's going on with you.
2: Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, and I'm pretty easily easily uh, to
0: contact. Yeah, I, I, I know, and I appreciate it. you're a cool you're a cool person. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, hopefully, we get a chance to talk again.
2: Okay, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye bye.
1: line
0: segment I'm going to call Theater of the Absurd. This is coming from the Harper's Magazine edition February 2022. And I'm sure they published it with a little bit of huh? Say what? Tongue in cheek attitude. It's uh, under the heading Conservation Guide Yacht to Know Better. And this article is from Why Yachting Families Make Great Climate Caretakers. It was published in November on the website, Super Yacht Life. The average super yacht is estimated, by the way, to produce 7,020 tons of carbon dioxide each year. Here's the article, Theater of the Absurd those on board a yacht become a part of the ocean's ecosystem and they are perfectly positioned to assist in the fight to protect our warming earth here are five ways yacht owning families can help our oceans heal number one young yachting families can use their time at sea to bear witness to how the ocean is changing photographing marine life and accumulating ocean plastics is not just something adults can do it is an activity for children too. Number two, by ferrying scientists to and from remote locations, yachting families can take a hands-on approach to ocean conservation. By working with scientists at sea, children can develop a love of climate protection. Number three, families can sponsor and track their own sea creatures. My whale is called Luke, laughs Dr. Vienna, I adopted him when my nephew was born. Number four. When people are affected by hurricanes, super yacht Samaritans rush to the rescue. Organizations such as Yacht Aid Global are at the forefront of coordinating humanitarian efforts by super yachts all over the world. And number five. Technology devised for state of the art boats can be transferred to other maritime industries and put to good use even beyond the ocean. Super yacht owners invest in their futures, but in the future of the planet too. Beep you. Here, steadfast at last, I just hit the stuff, imbibed immaculate. We spend a lifetime muddling through the disarray fed to us from the moment it became apparent we were here. How distinctly queer, an esoteric veneer, need to transcend beyond the styming fear. My dear... you have it, episode 461 of Troubadours and Tours. with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I would like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Mr. Bob Burt, Harper's Magazine, and these musical artists. Thelonious Monk, Screaming Trees, Sonic Youth, Pussy Galore, Robert Berger, Lydia Lunch Retrovirus, Wolf Manhattan Project, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard II. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, Let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.